Good evening. Uh, we are John and Debbie Wingfield. We just finished celebrating our 40th winning anniversary this summer. Thank you. We have three adult children, uh, two of which are here tonight, sitting down front. Um, I believe we have a recent uh, family photograph. There's our whole group right there. Good-looking group. Go, Army. Yeah. Um, we showed up at Watermark about nine years ago with a broken marriage. The good news, though, is that Christ is taking our mess and turning it into a message. We pray our story will encourage you as you walk through God's plan for marriage. I was born in Dallas two months early, and that is the last time I've been early for anything. <laughs> Truly. I have a younger sister, and growing up, we had a fun childhood. I rarely got into trouble, and we spent a lot of time playing outdoors. My parents took us to church some of the time, but we didn't talk about Jesus very often. My dad was very kind and cheerful and traditional. Together, we flew toy airplanes, we went camping, and we built lots of things. My mother was not traditional, and I used to think about how different my parents were. She taught me how to cook and sew, but she also told me I needed to learn how to shoot a gun and fly a plane. She made me feel like I could do almost anything. She told me she thought she could drop me off in a foreign country, and I would figure out how to get home. I'm one of seven kids. My dad traveled a lot for business, so we were basically uh, raised by my mom. My dad, however, went home, was uh, verbally, physically, and emotionally abusive. One of my most vivid memories of my childhood was my dad uh, standing on my neck with my head smashed up against the leg of the sofa. While my dad was away on extended business trips of one to three months, um, some of my brothers and sisters ran wild. I rarely got into trouble because, like Debbie, I was kind of the good kid. As a result, later in life, my brother, some of my brothers and sisters' lives looked like the combination of the TV show Cops and Dallas. You can imagine that put together. Their lives were marked by divorce, drug and alcohol abuse, grand theft auto, homelessness, prostitution, and felony robbery. So life without an earthly father and no heavenly father uh, led to destruction. John and I met in the second grade, and we became good friends in junior high and high school. We used to walk home from school together, and since I was so tall, I walked down in the street, and he walked up on the curb. True. <laughs> Debbie was absolutely the tallest girl in the second grade, and I was probably the shortest boy. To this date, I believe she was born five foot nine. And like she said, the day she was born was the last day she was on time, or early. I believe we have an, a picture of us uh, from the seventh grade. Uh, Debbie's on the top left, tallest girl, and I'm on the bottom row with the short people, uh, second from the left. So, When I was around 12 years old, <clears throat> my parents announced to us that they would be getting a divorce. My sister and I were totally shocked because we had never seen them fight before at all. I also remember feeling very awkward and out of place at school because I thought no one else had divorced parents. I remember for a while my family went to church until we learned the pastor was an alcoholic. It was during this time my dad began to teach us that there wasn't a God and even if there was one, 
He didn't know you or care about you. And if you wanted to get something done, it was going to be all on your own because no one outside the front door <clears throat> cared, cared two cents about you. That's when I started relying on what I look back on called the human trinity, me, myself, and I. Debbie and I continued our friendship through junior high school and high school, and we wrote notes together. We signed them, Your True Life Friend. Uh, by high school, my dad had become quite wealthy, and I can tell you for certainty that money does not buy you happiness. Our family continued to be far from God, and my dad continued to be absent. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I saw an announcement in our church bulletin for a confirmation class, and I asked my mom if she would take me. <clears throat> it lasted a few weeks, and there is where I made a commitment to follow Jesus. I can't remember when I first heard about the Lord. I just remember always believing that God is real. He is there for me, and he wants the best for me. Later, I found a correspondence Bible study in the back of a magazine. They sent me lessons each week, and I studied and filled them out, and I turned them back in, and I kept going to church, and I went to Young Life. The week of my high school graduation and my 18th birthday, my mother died from cancer at 48 years old. Although it was a... It was a sad time, but God was faithful. In high school, I became interested in science, and I was a very good student. And during our senior year in high school, I decided that Debbie was the one I wanted to marry while on a date. You'll see why. She was standing in the moonlight wearing this lovely lavender sweater holding a football. She was the only girl I knew that uh, could throw a perfect spiral for 25 yards. I was yep. sold. <laughs> we continued to date through college, and we got married when we were 22. I was attracted to John's personality. <clears throat> he was an entrepreneur. He was driven and creative and decisive, hilarious, and a problem solver. He loves challenges and excitement, and I was shy and definitely not a risk taker. We were married in the church Debbie was raised in and began attending even though I considered myself an atheist. I used it as a way to make business contacts. I even became Sunday school class president as a non-believer. I was a total fraud. Early in our marriage, we had a lot of fun times. <clears throat> we spent time with friends on the weekends. We went to church once in a while, but more often we would spend our weekends at the lake. I rarely spent time in the Word and I had probably never heard of the phrase biblical marriage. My priorities were work, fun, John, and cleaning the house, which I was terrible at. We bought our first house and started thinking about having a family, and that is when our first trouble began. When Debbie miscarried, I had nothing to offer her but my science. After being married for seven years, I had my first miscarriage. <clears throat> we were devastated. Five months later, I was pregnant again, and I started having terrible pain at work. It was the day after Christmas, and my doctor was off, so I went home and I went to bed. Thinking I would be okay for now, I encouraged John to go to his business meeting that night, and I told him I would just rest. 
So while he was gone, it began to snow really hard and the streets became very treacherous. I didn't realize that I was beginning to have severe internal bleeding. I couldn't breathe and I could not even lift my arm to reach the phone to call for help. When John got home, he tried to call an ambulance, but they refused to come just over a pregnancy, so he drove me to the hospital on the ice. I don't remember much from that night except fainting a lot and doctors running me down the hall on the stretcher and being rolled into the OR at 1 a.m. I later found out I had an... Uh, bless you. <laughs> I later found out I had an ovarian pregnancy and I had nearly bled to death. The <laughs> night I took Debbie to the hospital, uh, nearly dead... I found myself wandering around the hospital about 2 a.m., feeling a loneliness that I had never felt before in my life. I walked into the hospital chapel, and I cried out to a God that I didn't even believe existed, and I asked him to save Debbie, and I promised him that I would follow him. Of course, God was faithful, and I was not. Afterwards, John took very good care of me, and all I had to think about was getting well. A year later, we had a baby boy. Here you are. Uh, 20 months later, a baby girl. She's on call. And 19 months after that, we had an almost 12-pound boy. And there he is. <laughs> we were very busy and overwhelmed, but we were very grateful. In 1985, God sent a man named Scott into my life. He was a man that was addicted to cocaine, alcohol, and pornography. He would stop by my office from time to time, usually jacked up on something. And one day he came in with a big smile on his face. And I said, hey, what are you high on today? And he said, Jesus. And I said, get the heck out of my office and never come back. Of course he did. And what I discovered was that his life was so new and so attractive. He had become a brand new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. He eventually invited me to a Bible study and I went. And six weeks later, I was saved. I now had it all. Hot wife, house in University Park, great business, and Jesus. I was very prideful. Uh, the old self had not died. I was still making it all about John. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When the kids were younger, we had a lot of good times together, but I was still not intentionally following Christ. An example would be my great idea for conflict resolution. Since my parents never fought in front of me and my sister, I decided to make sure our kids could see us fighting. <laughs> True story. Um, that didn't work so well, so I decided when we had conflict, I would just withdraw, and that didn't work so well either. You can't have a fight all by yourself, right? Neither one of us had a loving marriage model for us, so no wonder we floundered. God had a plan for us. I just didn't understand it, and I had no idea what it was. I was not draw drawing close to God or trusting him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. A huge recession in Dallas uh, construction and very poor financial planning on my part uh, led my business to lose nearly everything in the late 1980s. We nearly lost our house to foreclosure, 
our cars to repossession. We even hid our cars over at my parents' house so they wouldn't be taken. My whole worth as a man and provider for my family was shattered. Uh, because of me, Debbie had to get a job and leave being a stay-at-home mom. She was hurt, and I had shattered her lifelong dream. One night, I got really mad at John, and I told him that because of his inability to provide for our family, he was stealing our children's childhood from me. I know this really crushed John's spirit for a long time. I was really angry at him because I had to go back to work, and I later apologized. Well, that was like a, a knife to the heart. I was unforgiving and became very bitter and angry. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, uh, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, just as Christ God uh, forgave you. I did just the opposite. Every little thing Debbie did or said, I used that as an excuse to say hurtful words to her and abusive things to her. She and the kids began living in fear of the next time that I would explode. It was, it was a bad time. Um, the first casualty of, of sin is always relationships. I now know that hurt people hurt other people. We continued to fight and began a crazy cycle of hurtful words, long periods of isolation, sometimes weeks without talking. We would slowly begin talking, and then we would have makeup sex, and that went on for years. We had no godly counsel, and we didn't live in community with other believers. <clears throat> I didn't know what to do. I was so unhappy. But I knew I absolutely did not want a divorce. I lived through one with my parents, and I vowed I would never do that to my own children. Those doors were locked. I was operating alone, and the devil was attacking me from every angle. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Eventually, we started attending a Bible church, and God's word began to slowly heal our wounds and our family life became a little bit safer, and we decided to homeschool our children. Debbie spent all of her time doing that, and I spent all of my time working. I did begin to spend some time with some godly men, and the Lord began to heal my abusive heart. Those years were pretty good, but were still plagued by seasons of anger, rage, fear, fighting, and unforgiveness. I knew that God wanted more from me. My anger and rage made Debbie and the kids fearful, My harsh words and uh, critical spirit crushed them emotionally. Uh, my unforgiveness made them walk on eggshells around me. Eventually, our kids went off to college, and we found ourselves with just the two of us. Um, that's when we joined Watermark. We went through re-engage, and a noticeable change began to take place. Even though we fought over the lessons and argued in the parking lot in the car, some of you may have done that. Uh, God's word was being planted deep in our hearts. We got deeply involved in community, and the Lord slowly continued to change us. We told people the ugly stuff, and they still loved us. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you may be healed, for a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Our home life was getting better now, and we were spending more time with other believers. During a Sunday service, 
Todd Wagner explained that he had given his wife a list of men's names and phone numbers that she could call if he was not leading her well at home. That afternoon, I made a list of names that, and, uh, that Debbie could call. She looked at the list and said, hey, John, those top four guys are just like you. <laughs> Sorry. She marked them out. And she wrote in new names, and many of them are seated here tonight. Uh, I love you guys. Oh, my turn. Yes. Um, I did eventually need to use it. Um, this actually turned out to be a huge help. Having other believers speak truth to us made a big difference. Community is not just friends you hang out with. It's people you intentionally do life with and you share biblical counsel. Reengage taught us to be humble. And humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. We honor Christ by honoring our spouse. Changes didn't happen overnight, just like our marriage didn't get wrecked overnight. Real men don't live in isolation. They run with other men of honor. They become servant kings. They become warrior kings for their families. My wife always wanted me to lead our family, and I now can say that I'm doing that. Men, I encourage you to become the spiritual leader of your home. Begin to pray with your wife nightly before you go to bed. Like most empty nesters, we remodeled our house when our kids left. <laughs> but more importantly, we have begun to remodel what a godly marriage looks like to our adult children. Christ has taken our 40-year-old marriage from a two- a what? A nine? Is it a nine or a six? It's a nine. Uh, hurts continue to be healed. Uh, Joel 2.25 is our, our, our marriage verse. It says, the Lord promises to restore all the years that the locusts have eaten. Many things have been restored, including my relationship with my elderly father, uh, who became a Christian at age 92. He told me he loved me for the very first time, and that I was a good man just a year, a year before he died. Yeah. Regardless of what has happened in your marriage, Jesus is the answer. Of course, we still disagree and we argue sometimes, but now we keep short accounts with each other. <clears throat> we quickly ask for forgiveness, and we quickly extend forgiveness. None of us here have marriage problems. We have Jesus problems. If you put Christ in the center of your marriage and hide his word deep in your hearts, and you dive into community, become fully known, and lock the doors that lead to divorce and separation, and throw away the keys. Allow God to change your spouse and invite him into your circle to change you. My husband is still an entrepreneur and driven, creative, decisive, hilarious, and a problem solver, and he still loves challenges and excitement, but most importantly, he loves the Lord. We pray our story has given you hope and comfort. I can't wait to spend another 30 plus years with Debbie. She indeed is my true life friend. Thanks for letting us share.